0: Would you join me in James chapter 5, please? (laughs) This is part two of last week's sermon. I I whittled it down to five pages last week so I could get it all in and I only got two done. And so I don't know what that means except that we're going to have to add an hour to our service from now on uh, just to get through the book of James, I think. Uh, But we hear in James 5, verse number 16, looking at uh, these words that we have seen so often, and yet we're learning them piece by piece. And we're going to add to that a little bit today, too. So the first two minutes or so, I'm going to give you the recap of what I shared last week, because that's important to the rest of what we're going to share this week. But in James chapter 5, verse 16, toward the end of that verse, there is one sentence that says, The effective prayer of a righteous man, can accomplish much. And we're looking at those last three words especially, can accomplish much. And we want to know what that's all about. So, Heavenly Father, we have your word open in front of us. And we quiet our hearts. We give our attention fully to you. And what you will teach us from these words. There is so much that you're doing. So much because of how great you are. And we would like to know more. And as we learn from this passage today, we pray that you truly challenge us. For we are, are always challenged when we take the time to chew on your word. And we do that right now. Pray your blessing upon it. We ask that you might work in our lives and hearts that even as we leave today, we're different people because of this time spent with you. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our midst. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the emphasis can accomplish much. That's a fascinating little phrase that we're trying to understand. We we look at that and we think this way more times than not. Uh that means that I can ask uh for let's say, let's let's say I'm gonna ask for I'll just use a wild example here. I'm going to ask for a used Chevy, and he's going to give me a brand new BMW. Right? Because we think, well, whatever it is, it's going to be much. And it's much, and we're aiming for much. We like much in our day and age. But in this concept, I'm bringing you to a, a statement that I gave you last week, and I want you to fully understand what I'm saying today. That there is much more to answered prayer... Than the answers. We seek the answers. We go before him in prayer. We say. Lord I need this. I need this. I need this. Can you do that? Can you do this? Can you do that? And we pray for answers. Don't we? The Lord is doing far more. He's accomplishing much more. Than just giving you that answer. And that's what we focus on here. As we walk through this passage. Because I believe that. He's telling us to take a better look at what prayer is accomplishing in you. And what it does for you. We know that prayer is somewhat, as the words are defined here, like begging. And that's because we're needy people. And that's the essence of prayer. We pray because we have need. And we pray to somebody who we believe can meet that need. And we go to our God because we know he can. And we go to our God and ask if He's willing. And then the hardest part of the whole process is accepting the answer that He gives. Are we willing to trust Him with the answer? Are we willing to trust Him with the answer? This prayer we're looking at here, the fervent heartfelt, passionate, energetic begging of a righteous man. One who is right with God, a believer, but knows the Lord, walking with the Lord, he's pleading to the Lord, and he asks the Lord to meet this need, trusting Him with the answer, whatever it may be, that accomplishes much. And we're going to talk about all those things that are actually accomplished In this prayer. It's kind of hard to whittle it down. Because remember. It is the prayer of faith. That we're studying here. Right? We're in the process of examining living faith. Prayer is a big part of that. That's what shows your faith. You're entrusting your need to somebody else to meet it. And you're willing to accept what they have for you. Now the beauty of that, and I told you this last week, the beauty of that is this, that God always goes beyond what we ask or think. He always answers that way. He always answers with what is right. Do you know that? His answer is always right. His answer is always good. His answer is always perfect. His answer is always Better for you than what you thought your answer was. Now, would you be content with your answer or with his? If it's going to be better, that's what I want. Sometimes, you know, we mourn over the fact we don't get what we asked for. We say, Lord, that's not what I asked for. And then we feel bad about that. We grieve about that. We actually mourn a little bit. It's interesting in the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament, this issue called fasting. The the picture that Jesus portrays to us of the Pharisee and the hypocrite when they fast, they put on a gloomy face. They go about, you know, with that look on their face, like they're just going through the worst torture of their life. What is fasting all about? It's deciding that something is more important for you right now than eating. You're talking to the Lord. That's more important. So I'm going to give my time to talk to the Lord. Why should we put on a gloomy face if we're going to talk to the Lord? Why should we put on a gloomy face if we're going to wait for His answer and trust Him with the answer and know that it's going to be great? Why put on a gloomy face? Too often, I'm afraid, we're very much like the Pharisee and the hypocrite. Because if we don't get what we ask for, we go into that gloomy mode. I'm going to turn your attention here as we go through this. Because when we talk about God's answer to prayer, remember, it is God who answers prayer. The prayer will not save you. God will. The prayer cannot make a difference. God can. It's a prayer of faith in God, not in prayer. Because if you have your faith in prayer, then you're going to pray with as many people as you can, as loud as you can, with the biggest words you can. You're going to pray in so many different ways to try to get God's attention to make it a good prayer. Let's remember, your prayer is going to a good God. He answers prayer. And He answers prayer according to what He can do. And what can He do? That is a wonderful study. You know what it comes down to? Prayer is based on the character of God. What he can do and what he will do. That's what prayer is anchored to. That's who we trust. Like I said, prayer is an act of trust. Right? That's review. We've been talking about that for months now is that that's the God we're talking to. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we ask or think. He can accomplish much. Now, as I've been walking through this with you, I said last week, there are things that are accomplished in prayer that's greater than just the answer. Answers are great, aren't they? We love answers you know, the Lord does answer. It's not always yes, is it? Sometimes it's no. Sometimes they say it might be wait. But either way, God does answer because He always answers. Are we willing to trust Him with that answer? It's always good. Are we willing to trust Him with that answer? It's always what is best for us And what gives him glory? Are we willing to trust him with the answer? That's the first thing we primarily emphasize. But I added three more. And there's a lot more than this. But I added three more to the list of what the Lord gives us besides answered prayer. He gives us patience. Patience is a result of prayer. Did you know that? You say, but patience, it comes from trials. Oh yes, what does trials cause you to do? Pray and trust, right? So we talked about patience a little bit last week. A very rare word for any of us to say, I love patience. Usually we say, I know what causes patience and I don't want it. I remember that as a teenager. Honestly, I could tell you a couple of things that I thought sitting in the back pew of the church I grew up in. One of them, it's not very pleasant to repeat this, but I'll just tell you what one was. Every time we said the Lord's Prayer, we get to that place uh, where we talk about, uh, Father, forgive me as I have forgiven others. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our others. And I never like to say the second part of that. I love to be forgiven, but I didn't want it based on how I did it. And so I always omitted that. I confess, I did. I I just thought, oh, that's a bad reflection on me. (laughs) But that was true. There were some things I didn't want to say. I didn't want to do. I didn't want to go into the ministry because I had to learn Greek and Hebrew and all that stuff. And that's what's so funny about it all, because now I'm a Greek and Hebrew teacher. But I, I remember sitting there, I'd love to be in the ministry because they only work one day a week. And I said, but I don't want to learn all that other stuff that goes with it. All right, so there's my confessions. Uh, patience is not something people say, I want that. Because they're afraid of the process to learn it. We have this passage here. That's set before us in James chapter number 1. Back in James chapter 1, verse number 3. This is right out of the King James Version, actually. I read from the New American Standard Version. But this is what it says. Knowing that this, the trying of your faith, worketh patience. It's good to have your faith tested. Our culture doesn't like that. The culture of the church as a whole in our country does not like that. Trials are not encouraged. Those challenges are hard. Matter of fact, we do everything we can to avoid trials, don't we? You name the trial. Persecution? Oh, who wants that? What if your trial's medical? How many people want trials like that? Nobody. What if your problem is economic? Do you want trials like that? No. What if it's uh, a relationship problems in the home? Do you like those trials? No. Most people say, let's find a solution so we don't need the trials. Scripture says, trials work on your faith. Don't they? Those challenges Work on your faith. And that produces patience. We talked about that last week. That is one of the results of trusting your Heavenly Father in prayer. is patience. Patience. Waiting for the answer. Is that easy? No. Is it profitable? Yes. Yes, it is. It goes counterculture, folks, because our culture wants everything when? Now. What if now is not the best time for the Lord to answer that need? How many times might you be able to think in your own mind right now of how he delayed an answer and you're so glad he did? His timing is perfect. It always is. Do you trust him with that? That's patience. Sometimes I'm reminded of what lack of patience looks like. It's usually in the form of about a three-year-old... ...who wants something now. Right? You've seen one before? They want it now. That's immature. Folks, let's not be immature. Patience is a beautiful thing. And the Lord is working that into our lives... As we pray to Him. That's one of the things He accomplishes in you. And that is much. Let me give you the second one. We hit this last week as well. And it's the same verse, but the New American Standard changes the word from patience to what? Endurance. And that's another word that's really a test of your faith. The ability to stay under. Is the word. Not look for the exit. Not look for the exit. It's to stay under. Everybody will encourage you to get out from under that problem because that's the solution. That's what we say. Just get out. We do that with relationships that go bad, don't we? Just get out and everything's better. We do that with problems at work. Just quit that job, go get something else. It's better. You have some sort of pressure on you. Just get out from it. We have so many gimmicks in our world as exits to get out. When the Lord says, stay under, I'm with you. And we want out. And I told you last week, one of the most beautiful phrases I read in Scripture is in Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are with me. Me, The believer is never alone. Never alone. And as we go through our difficult times, whatever it is that brings you to pray, remember, you can endure. That's something the Lord's building in us. The ability to endure. I told you this at the end of the service last week. That the Hebrew word for endurance is to prop it up. That's Hebrew, Old Testament. To prop it up. To set around it things that keep it still. So it, it can lean on it and hold on to it and bear up and be established. And that's that phrase I read to you from Isaiah twenty-six, three: The steadfast of mind. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed. That's endurance. On thee. Perfect peace. That's difficult in prayer. That's difficult in need. Not only do we not like to wait, but we don't want to wait there. We want an exit. We want out. And so many times, folks, if you read the history of these saints in Scripture, they were not given exits. They went through it. They went under it. And they stayed under it. Hmm. That's not easy either, is it? But you know what? These are the things that mature you as a believer in Christ. They mature you. So many times we we don't want that route. We We want an easier route. He says, no, I want you to endure. It's better for you. Spurgeon says, we shall not grow weary of waiting upon God if we remember how long and how graciously He once waited for us. It's a good thought. Okay, so far you've got it. There are two things already that He is doing that is accomplishing much in you. And that is building your patience and building your endurance. Are they worth it to you? Really, that's the question I lay at your heart. Are they worth it to you to trust Him when you go to Him in prayer? The last one we had of our list and I just said it last week and I said I'll finish it today. It's the word focus. There is something God gives us in prayer that is so wonderful. And it is focus. There is a lot of things to demand our attention today, right? Too much. Actually, too much. But what do you do with trials? You could ask the folks in James' day. They had terrible trials in their day. We've already seen that from chapter 5. But even chapter 1 talks about, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. And you say, boy, you must have really had something interesting for breakfast. What's this phrase? I'm greatly excited. I've got a trial. Because it's going to produce something. It's going to accomplish much. In his culture, in his day and age, that was tough stuff. Let me give you an example of a man named the Apostle Paul. Did he have some challenges? Let's go over to 2 Corinthians for a minute. Chapter number 12. I want to read to you a passage that you've seen before, but I want you to think about very seriously here. 2 Corinthians 12, starting verse 7. Right? 2 Corinthians twelve seven. Now, he goes before this to talk about an interesting situation of a man, and he, we think he's talking about himself, a man who was carried up into the heavens and saw things that he can't repeat and things like that. And he says, I'm not going to tell you if he was in his body or out of his body, and that's an intriguing passage. But what it gets down to in verse 7 is this. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations... For this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. To torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. How many people like thorn in the flesh? You want one? Say, I already have one, I don't need another one. Paul says, the Lord gave him a thorn in the flesh. Does that mean it's bad? You say, but it says it's a messenger of Satan. That sounds terrible. Who's in charge? God is. Did God allow this? Yes. Is it a very terrible thing? Probably to endure. But is it going to accomplish anything that's great? Watch. Watch. Considering this, he says, concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. You heard it? My grace. Now, what do you have against God's grace? See, people say, but that's not what I asked for. My grace. Isn't that the greatest two words together? My grace, God says. My grace is sufficient. And isn't it? You don't know? Is God's grace sufficient? Yes. Yes. Is it sufficient for you? Is that a bad answer to your prayer? Matter of fact, it's even better. It's even better. Paul says, I could I could bear the thorn knowing that I've got his grace. My grace is sufficient for you. Watch the rest of the phrase. For my power is perfected in weakness. That accomplishes much more than you thought. You say, but I'd be more powerful if I didn't have the thorn. He says, oh no, you're more powerful now. Because you have the thorn. Because it's my grace that strengthens you. It's my grace that enables you. My grace that helps you endure through this. It's my grace. And I say, wow, that is something that we rarely stop and look at when we're asking for answers. Are we seeking God's grace? Or are we seeking the thorn just to be gone? My grace is sufficient for you. Spurgeon said this in his commentary. The worst form of trial may nevertheless be our best present portion. I'm going to read to you a couple of phrases here this morning. And really, unless you stop and think about it and approach it with a mature mind, you're going to have a troubled time with it. Because how many times do we ever see a trial as your best portion? Let me show you another passage. You're still in Second Corinthians. Go back to chapter 4. Verse number 16. As Paul is trying to encourage the Corinthians to be mature and to bear through their problems and, and the afflictions that they're under, He says, verse 16, Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, Now, is that a true statement? Nobody likes to talk about it. The outer man is decaying, yet the inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary, Light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparisons. Where we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal. The things that are not seen are eternal. You know what prayer is producing in you? A new focus. A focus that takes your eye off the thorn or your eye off the problem, and it sets it on God's eternal values. On God's grace, which is sufficient for you. As eternal weights of glory that comes from going through these things. That is much more to prayer than what we thought. It's better than just the answer, folks. Is to realize that He's given us a focus on the eternal things of God. We start to really take into consideration what lasts, actually. When we're praying for things, we always ask for what's now. Let's start asking what's going to last. An eternal view of what we're asking for would do us so much good. Here's another quote. Ready for this? Really? You, got, you almost have to write it down. If you're the kind who write, you've got to write this one down. It's short, but it's going to make you think. Anything is a blessing that makes us pray. Woo. Anything is a blessing that makes us pray. That stopped me in my tracks this morning. I was I was just going through a, a commentary just for fun, devotional thing. And I'm going through it and I read that phrase until I Whoa. Anything is a blessing that makes us pray. What makes us pray mostly? Trouble. Right? Discomfort. The things we want to rid ourselves of. The challenges we face in this life. And you could start your list. Everyone's got the list, don't they? These things, Lord, I want you to solve. He says, why don't you ever think of them as the blessings that bring you to me? To trust me. To depend upon me. Because these things are temporary. I'm working in you something eternal. Change the focus. That's something he's accomplishing in us. First Peter, I love First Peter. I've worked on First Peter with you folks before. But First Peter starts this way in chapter number 1, verse 2. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ, be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. I love a living hope because you've got to have a living faith to go with it. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Watch these words, verse number 4 and on. He says, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled, and will not fade away. And it's reserved in heaven for you. Believer, here's something great. God has an inheritance for you. And he'll give it to you when you get there. Not the day before. It's yours. It's got your name on it. It's not going to disappear. Nobody else is going to use it up. They're not going to test it out for you. And you're going to get a used inheritance. All right? He's reserved it in heaven for you. I think that's sweet to know. But he also says this, in case you're wondering, and you also are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. He says, not only do I have your inheritance reserved and protected, I have you protected too by the same power. So that means not only are you going to be there... And your inheritance is going to be there too. He's going to bring them both together there on that day. Do you have to worry about that? There's a lot of things we worry about. What, should we, what we will wear, what we will eat, what we will... Uh, what's the rest of those words? You read them in Matthew, don't you? People worry about all these things. What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? And the answer the Lord gives is, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? Seek first. That's focus. That's setting your mind on things above first. Because that's where your inheritance is. That's what God's preserving you for. And this is how Peter kept going. I love the way he says this. He says, now, you've got this all done. Your inheritance is reserved for, in heaven for you. God is protecting you as well. And he's going to have you there. And there's no problem with that. So, in the meantime, you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Boy, he just whittled trials down to about this big. In comparison to what God is doing and what he has for you. Your trials are little. And then he goes on to say, you're going through these trials so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold which is perishable. Even though it is tested by fire, it may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let me try to sum that up for you in a simple way. Most of the time we do not think that the testing of our faith is worth more to us than all the gold and silver in this world. But he says it is. And do you know why it is? Because the testing of your faith shows how much you trust Jesus. And what is going to bring him the greatest glory when you get there? The testimony that you trusted him with this life. Think of it. When we stand before his presence, who's going to get the praise? He will. Not us. It's not about what we endure. It's not about our patience. It's not about the trials, the depth of them, the length of them, or all the rest. It's do we trust Him? And when we get there, it's going to result in praise and honor and glory to His name because we trusted Him. We trusted Him. Now, that changes your focus, doesn't it? Because it's no longer settled on that little thing that's going to be temporary, it's settled on something that has eternal value. A change of focus. I told you, a prayer like this will accomplish much. And that's what it accomplishes in us is an eternal focus on what God is doing. I'm going to read to you this quote. I finished with this last week, but this is what it said. Elizabeth Elliot, who knows a little bit about trials, said these words. Restlessness and impatience Change nothing except our peace and joy. Peace does not dwell in outward things, but in a heart prepared to wait trustfully and quietly on him who has all things safely in his hands. She touched on several keys to a prayer of faith, to a life of faith. Restlessness and impatience always take away our peace and joy. That's what they rob you of. Your peace and joy. Peace is found in a prepared heart. I love that phrase. A prepared heart. A heart that is willing to wait. A heart that is willing to trust. I want to ask you this. Is your heart prepared to live by faith? It will be prepared to wait. It will be prepared to trust it would be prepared for every instance to look up first and see what is the value of this eternally. That's a prepared heart. In other words, we have to condition it to do that, don't we? Because our hearts are more prone to be impatient, to seek the way out, and to complain the whole time. All things are safely in His hands. That's God's character. In action toward us. I could give you many other examples this morning, folks. I could give you many examples of impatience. I could give you many, many, many examples of restlessness. I could give you examples of those who grow weary. I could give you examples of how many times we seek to fix it ourselves. I can pile up the examples of people who grumble, can't you? Or I could give you four commands today. Be patient. Be patient. Strengthen your heart. Don't grumble. You guys are learning. um... I would just stop on one. Strengthen your hearts. The word means to turn resolutely in a certain direction. Set it. Set it. Strengthen it. We need hearts like this. It's a command. So if we're not doing it, we're disobedient. It's an aorist command, which means do it right now. It's urgent. Don't wait. Set your heart. Set your heart. That's an examination of living faith you just went through this morning. How are you faring? How are you doing? Think about it in your own heart. How are you doing? When you go to Him in prayer, what is the thing you seek the most? Just the answer? Or do you also relish His work in your life to produce patience and endurance and focus? Those things that drive you to His throne Time after time after time. We call it dependence. And I'm very glad to be dependent upon the Lord. Are you? This is your test. This is what we've been working on all the way through. And we turn to the Lord knowing that it is His good will. And it is His kindness to us. As He undergirds us with His strength. As He's accomplishing His glory through us. Why should we expect our prayers to just be given answers. Let them accomplish much more than that. His work in your heart to trust Him all the more. Can we do that? Well, that's our test. Heavenly Father, You know each and every one of us in this room and You know what we're facing. There are some folks in this room facing very serious things medically, some with very serious issues with economics and their... Family, some with family troubles, some with employment troubles, some actually being persecuted for their faith in one form or another. There are multitudes of needs represented in this room. But there's only one God we talk to. Our Lord, who stands for us and prays on our behalf, interceding for us, bringing our needs before the Father, who can answer prayer. And does answer prayer to his own glory and to our best good. We have a lot to learn about prayer. We have a lot to learn about faith, Lord. And I pray that you readjust our focus today. Turn our eyes above where you sit. So we may see things from your, your view. And understand how you're working in our lives. To bring you glory. To do much in our lives. We want to see prayer accomplish much, and we've got a glimpse of that today. And I pray that we can live in light of it now. Thank you for the faithful work you do in our hearts all the time. For trusting us, but to test us and to challenge us with these things that take us further. Take us further. We praise you for that. Pray your blessing on this congregation as they go forward from this day on, trusting you. In Jesus' name, amen.